you did test positive for Lyme disease when you were in the office last, but we don't have Lyme disease in the state of Oregon, so it must have just been wrong. We did test that same sample a second time, and it was positive a second time. But a few days later, the health department called me. The Oregon health department called me and said, so where did you get Lyme disease, do you think? And I said, oh, I don't have Lyme disease. And they said, no, you absolutely have Lyme disease. You can't have three CDC positive Lyme disease tests and not have Lyme disease. And I think it was about nine months that I did the shot and I came in her office one day and she said, who are you? She's like, you're a shell of the person that you used to be. One of them actually put in writing that I had a mental disorder and that my mental disorder was that I just couldn't accept that I had MS. Lyme disease causes MS. You have to investigate them. This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. Why, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Decentralized Radio. I am once again Tristan Liss. We miss him. He's interviewing other people right now, I am sure, actually, as we speak. But I'm joined by a wonderful nutritional therapy practitioner, friend of mine. I've known her for a number of years. I got to work with her, actually, side by side with the great Terry Walls as well. And so I got to learn a lot about her story. And I wanted to have Beth Schultz here on the podcast because Lyme disease is a very pervasive, mister, mysterious uh, illness uh, in, in Western medicine. And her story is particularly interesting. But Beth, how are you doing? I know life has been a bit crazy for you, but uh, how are things on the homestead? Things are okay on the homestead. We have, um, I live in the Ozarks of Missouri. We have 10 acres. We were, we were planning on raising sheep and somehow um, I told my daughter she would never own a horse. I will never buy you a horse. There will be no horses. Um, we now have two horses and a mule on our 10 acres. And now there's really no room for sheep, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, I have a very happy teenage daughter on the back of a horse. So it's worth it to me. And we'll just continue to support our neighbors and buy local or local grass-fed beef. And That's what I'm all about. We can get sort of into that stuff later too, because I mean, as part of the idea of decentralization is just supporting local community, stimulating local economy, trying to eat as you know seasonally locally as you can, and just helping the people around you. Because at the end of the day, it's like what you have learned on your own journey is like community is a huge part of this journey. But let's kind of go back to the before times in the long, long ago of how you sort of got to where you are because you have a story with Lyme that leans into MS and it's just a wild ride. And I think it gives a great scope on how you may have the same disease, but they may not come from the same places. And when I say that, I'm talking about MS because you and Terry Wallace both had MS, but from very different backgrounds in some ways, but there are some overlaps. So I'll let you kind of take us back and we can walk towards where we are now. So it was about 20 years ago, over the Thanksgiving holiday, actually, I I thought what I got what I thought was a migraine. Um, I did have a little headache, but my eyesight in one eye was very off. I almost had, I had like circles in my vision, like a CD, when the CD, you sh- shine it in the light and the rainbow, I had like these rainbow swirl circles in my vision. 
And I thought it was an aura of a migraine. Um, Ignored it. A week later, it was still there. I didn't have a headache anymore, but my eyesight was just these weird spinning rainbows (laughs) all through my eyesight. So I went to urgent care in my town and they said, oh gosh, it probably is a migraine. We're going to give you this shot. We'll give you the shot, let you lay here in the dark for 30 minutes and we'll come back and check on you. Uh, they gave me a shot. 30 minutes later, they came back and said, is eyesight better? And I said, nope, it's it's the same. They said, let's get you up to ophthalmology just to make sure there's not something wrong with your eye. And luckily, this health clinic had everything right there in the clinic. Um, and they got me right into an ophthalmologist. And she looked into my eye and she said, well, this is optic neuritis and you probably have multiple sclerosis. And I looked at her and was like, are you crazy? <laughs> I, I have a headache. And I truly, I didn't know what MS was. Um, the only thing I could think of was a wheelchair. And I was like, yeah, I'm walking fine. There's, there's just no way I could have MS. It was shocking to me, uh, but, and scary. And I remember I drove off that day and they had dilated my eyes and I didn't even have sunglasses on. I get in my car to go pick up my five-year-old daughter and I can barely see. And then I just start crying. I pull over, I and I have a friend pick up my daughter. I just couldn't. It was it was scary to hear multiple sclerosis. Um, back then, healthcare really was so easy. I got in the very next day for an MRI. I had the MRI, and I directly went to a neurologist's office, talked to a neurologist who reviewed the MRI, and I only had a lesion on that eye on the eye nerve. So for multiple sclerosis, you need to have multiple lesions. Um, he said that you know what, this could be an isolated incident. You may just have this one case of optic neuritis, and I may never see you again. Hopefully, I never see you again. If um, it should go away in about two months, your eyesight should be back to normal, and I hope to never hear from you again, but if you have another symptom, give me a call. Uh, He was right. In two months, my eyesight cleared up. I said, gosh, this is going to be fine. I'm never going to have this again. I'll be fine. And I'd say it was in within three days, um, the other eye, I got optic neuritis in. So I called the neurologist. Um, They had drawn blood when I had first went um, a couple months before. I never heard anything back from my blood test. So I assumed everything was normal. I go in for the second MRI and I actually got to go meet with him directly after the MRI because he was going on vacation for two weeks and didn't want me to wait. Um, So he had not reviewed my MRI results yet. I'm in his office and he pulls him up on this huge screen TV And there is lesions on both my eyes and a lesion on my brain. There's a big white spot on my brain. And he went, I was right. It's a mess. And then he was like, oh, are you okay? It's okay. (laughs) I didn't mean to be excited that I was right. Um, You know, this is a serious disease. And he then said, you know, you did test positive for MS or for Lyme disease when you were in the office last, but we don't have Lyme disease in the state of Oregon. So it must have just been wrong. We did test that same sample a second time, and it was positive a second time, but it's probably just a bad test. Um, So we will test you again because we have to rule out Lyme disease before we diagnose you with MS. Uh, They test me for a third time, and again, it comes back positive for Lyme disease. And he says, but you know, it's just a false positive. There's, There's no Lyme disease in the state of Oregon. You're fine. So I believed him. He sent me home with um, pamphlets. I think there were three different drugs that I could choose from for MS. They were all injections, uh, Abinex, Rebif, and Copaxone. He said, pick a drug that you're going to take. And that's, you know, that's a lot to think about. (laughs) 
Um, but a few days later, the health department called me. The Oregon health department called me and said, so where did you get Lyme disease, do you think? And I said, oh, I don't have Lyme disease. My doctor told me I don't have Lyme disease. And they said, no, you absolutely have Lyme disease. You can't have three CDC positive Lyme disease tests and not have Lyme disease. Like, have you been out of the state of Oregon? Because we don't have a lot of Lyme disease in Oregon. So maybe, and I said, well, I was home in Minnesota this summer. I go, I grew up in Minnesota. I go every year and, but I didn't camp. I don't remember a tick bite. I don't remember, you know, I don't remember a tick bite. The funny thing is, is I did think back to, gosh, did any, you know, anything happen? Because I don't remember a tick. And in probably August of the year before this, I was at a lake and I was bit by a deer fly. And I saw the deer fly bite me. And the next morning I woke up and I had a perfect bullseye rash on my thigh. But, and I knew a bullseye rash was Lyme disease, but I thought that was a fly, like it was a fly. You cannot get Lyme disease from a fly. Um, and I, I did tell them that story and they said, yeah, you can't get Lyme disease from a fly. You had to have been bit by a tick. I have looked at some very old research and there is some research that other biting blood bugs could cause Lyme disease, but it is not accepted by the CDC. It is not accepted um, by Standard America. And so the CDC did want me treated with antibiotics. They said, you know what, maybe your neurologist just, just doesn't know what the protocol is. So we'll call him and he'll call you. So I got a call to come into his office a few weeks later. And he said, okay, here's 28 days of doxycycline. That will cure your Lyme disease. And we will never talk about Lyme disease again in my office. And that, that seems strange to me, but, you know, he's the neurologist. He knows what he's talking about. So I did 28 days of um, doxycycline. And within probably three days of starting the doxycycline, my eyesight completely cleared up. I felt great for that entire month. The doxycycline ran out. And probably in a couple weeks after the doxycycline, I had optic neuritis back in the original eye. Uh, I called the doctor and he said, you know what? It, it, it's not Lyme disease. It's MS. You have MS. And so I, I, tr I trusted him and I believed him. I picked one of the MS drugs and I chose to go with Avonet. It is a beta, I think it's a beta seron. It's a low dose of chemotherapy and it's an injection every week and it's an intramuscular injection. So the needle was about that big. I don't like needles. I, I, I don't like needles. I'll be honest. I would normally drink um, half a bottle of wine and take a Xanax for each one of my shots. Probably not a good idea. I wasn't into health and nutrition at this point. Um, and it got me the shot. And then after the shot, I would have the flu for a couple of days. So I would be in bed for three days, just feel horrible. Uh, my MS symptoms were not slowing down or stopping at this point. I would just get optic neuritis every couple months. It would just go from eye to eye. Um, I had numbness down the left side of my body. I could still walk, but just numbness and tingling. Fatigue became a problem. Brain fog was a problem. Um, I had a really great nurse practitioner at the time. She was my pr primary care doctor. And when she heard about me going on Avonex, she was really worried because I was a single mom. I had no family living in Oregon with me. It was just me and my daughter. And she said, you know, one of the side effects of this drug is suicidal depression. And she said, who, who, who watches you? You know, there's no adult in your life to know how you're doing with this medication. So if you're going to do this every month, I want you to come in at our lunch break. You work right up the road. You know what? I take my lunch and I want you just to come in and say hi. Every month, you just have to come in and check in with me and see how you're doing. 
And I think it was about nine months that I did the shot. And I came in her office one day and she said, who are you? She's like, you're a shell of the person that you used to be. You're depressed. You're sick all the time. Your symptoms haven't stopped. What are you doing? I just don't see this drug being good for you in any way. Um, And so I stopped. And then it was like, well, now I have MS. And I really, I didn't think about Lyme disease. I, I trusted my doctor. It didn't really cross my mind. And one day I was sitting with my friend's mom. She was visiting from Minnesota and I was telling her my story. And she said, so you tested positive for Lyme disease three times? And I said, yeah. And she said, and, and you have MS and you only got 28 days of antibiotics. And she said, I have been dealing with chronic Lyme disease in my son for years. And you do not get rid of Lyme disease that got into your brain in 28 days with an oral antibiotic. Lyme disease causes MS. You have to investigate this. And she's like, I truly believe Lyme disease is behind this. So I went back to my neurologist. He told me no. Um, I made an appointment with an infectious disease doctor. And when I went in, they did test me for Lyme disease again. And so that was my fourth test. And again, it was CDC positive for Lyme disease. And they said, yeah, you just can't have MS though, or you just can't have Lyme disease in Oregon. So take care. Have a nice day. You're fine. Um, I ended up, I wanted a second opinion for my MS diagnosis. So I went to Oregon Health, um, OHSU, Oregon Health Science University in Portland, Oregon, and they have an MS clinic there. And so you go there, they look at all your files, they look at everything. And then about five neurologists will sit in a room and go through your, you know, everything and say, yes, you have MS. Um, We did it. I was there all day long. They came back and they said, these Lyme disease tests are weird. You do have it. We're going to test you again. So that'd be your fifth test, but we're going to send it off to an East Coast lab. The East Coast is better with um, diagnosing Lyme disease and we'll wait to hear back. So about a month later, I went back and that fifth test again was CDC positive for Lyme disease. And they said, yeah, but you know, we just don't have Lyme disease in the state of Oregon. So um, we're going to say you have MS and you don't have Lyme disease. All of these tests are just wrong. And I was like, wow, these are like, these are the experts, you know? Um, so I think I even went, I even went and found a second infectious disease doctor in Oregon. And he looked at my lab tests and he was like, yeah, this is bad. This is really bad. And he's like, you're going to need, he's like, to treat this. So like, if you have neurological Lyme disease, you need months and months of IV antibiotics. And insurance companies just don't like that. Nor- they don't like that in Oregon. And it's like, but what, what do we do? Like, I'm sick. And he's like, okay, I, I'm going to treat you. I'm going to do it. We're going to do IV antibiotics. And I called to follow up with that doctor and he would never speak to me again. I never got the antibiotics and he refused a second appointment with me saying that I did not have Lyme disease. So then what do you, you know, what do you do? This episode is brought to you by Wyoming Based, my new apparel company that is focused on providing high quality natural fiber based products using 100% U.S. supply chains. Our first two products, the 100% wool everyday beanie and 100% wool rib sweater are proudly made right here in Wyoming using local wool. The wool is low itch, high quality and durable, naturally antimicrobial, and way better for your health and the health of the planet. If you want to support a local U.S. brand and are tired of supporting woke outdoors companies that shill plastics, 
Check us out at wyomingbase.com and pre-order your sweater and beanie today. Your story is just so astounding um, in many ways. And I and it's funny because the more I feel you understand the way centralized medicine works, the more you feel like, oh, that's a, that could be a realistic story. Um, because any, I think any normal person hearing this would be like, how could that happen in such like an industrialized, like medical, like, uh, haven that is the United States or whatever, but there's like a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, mistreatment. And also just like, I understand doctors not wanting, it, it's particularly unfortunate about the last neurologist you saw or the infectious disease doctor you saw about the antibiotics because they, they sort of gave you that false hope and then cut you out. Well, he wanted to, he did want to help me. And so I, um, I started, you know, I went online and going online, even this was like brand new to me. I yeah. Had, the internet really had just kind of come around. I got my first computer, I think, as an adult. And somehow I found the Oregon Lyme Disease Network. And I called the number and this woman answers, uh, Teresa. And she she actually came to the doctor with me. She came to my wow. neurologist with me, met me in the lobby, went to the neurologist and was like, you have to treat this girl. She needs IV antibiotics. She needs to be treated. Like here is, she had probably this thick of research and a whole booklet. And she's like, look at all of this. Like, let me show this to you. And he was like, yeah, lady, I'm not interested. She does not have Lyme disease. Leave my office. And Teresa was such a research, such a resource for me. Um, But she said, Beth, there just, there are doctors in Oregon that will treat Lyme disease. The Oregon Medical Authority, who they're in charge of the health system really in Oregon, has said that you cannot treat Lyme disease for more than 28 days. Is that, is that still the, the, the rules up until current date or has that changed at all to your knowledge? You know, the other, within the last couple of months, the CDC put something on their website that says Lyme disease may become a persistent infection. Wow. So, so they are just now, 20 years later, they are kind of admitting that there could be chronic Lyme disease. I don't know if they have changed their treatment guidelines. So that was the thing in Oregon as all doctors had to follow the CDC's guidelines and that is not more than 28 days of antibiotics. The infectious disease doctors in Oregon knew that it takes longer than 28 days for a chronic case. So that, like the infectious disease doctor I wanted, he had treated people in Oregon because Teresa knew all of the people in Oregon who had Lyme disease. He had treated people with IV antibiotics and the Oregon Health Authority had actually threatened his medical license. Mm. If you continue to do this, you're over treat, you're, you're going above and beyond the right, re- you know, the CDC regulations we will take your license from you. So that's why he would never talk to me again. He truly wanted to help me. He couldn't. He'd lose his medical license. Yeah. And, and that's I, the, that's the other side to the unfortunate part is like, you've had a lot of, and I've, I've had a few as well that like just standard medicine just like great physicians who really are wanting to do the thing, but they get held up in some red tape or some other like regulation, or they're just like, they, it's outside of their depth, unfortunately. Um, and it is unfortunate because I feel like there are, the majority want to do good, you know? And some of them even, even try to go the extra mile, but then there's always something that gets in the way. Insurance gets in the way a lot of times. And, yeah. you know, the standard of care. 
So I'm trying to think where we went from there. Um, Well, I kept bugging infectious disease doctors in Oregon and I would bug them. And one of them actually put in writing that I had a mental disorder and that my mental disorder was that I just couldn't accept that I had MS. And I just was fascinated. Like I was just, I was, I was crazy. Um, So I finally decided to go to Connecticut, Um, Connecticut is where Lyme, Lyme, Connecticut is, where Lyme disease was first found, and the doctors know Lyme disease there. And there was actually a neurologist um, in Connecticut that treated MS and Lyme disease. So I went and met Dr. Katz, and he was, he was amazing. He tested me again. So now we're at about seven Lyme disease tests, and I was positive again. And he said, you know what, you do have MS, but I believe the Lyme disease triggered the MS, and I believe your immune system, it has been a couple of years. By, by this time, it had been at least two years since my diagnosis. And he said, you're not, we need to get rid of the Lyme disease, but your MS isn't going to go away. Your, your immune system has been affected. And he looked through my chart, so too, and he said, you know what? I want you to sue these doctors. I want you to go back to Oregon, get a lawyer, and sue these doctors. This is medical malpractice. Just You can just see it all over your chart. It's so obvious. And he's like, I will come to Oregon and I will testify in your case. We have to change this for other people. Um, And he said, so you need, we're going to do 90 days of IV antibiotics when you get home. And hopefully that will wipe out the Lyme disease. Um, So I got back home. It It took a couple months to get insurance to approve 90 days of IV antibiotics and get it all worked out. We had to work with my primary care doctor. Uh, my neurologist told me I was being silly, but do whatever. And this time I had a new neurologist. I had found um, a woman that she, and as she put it, she said, you know what, maybe you do have Lyme disease, but I don't treat Lyme disease. I'm a neurologist. I'm an MS specialist. I treat MS. I can't help you with Lyme disease. And I've never seen this before. So I can only help you with your MS. We have that understanding. Um, and she thought the IV antibiotics were kind of over the top, but you do what you want to do. Um IV antibiotics are rough. So when you when you have an infection like Lyme disease, um, people say that this can happen with parasites too. When you go off and you kill it, so like I, I describe it as you kill it and the bug explodes. And that bug lets off its toxin and then your body has to deal with even more of it. So your symptoms increase when you're killing it off. And they call that a Herxheimer reaction. Um, that is like a known thing in the medical community so for that that 90 days, I I don't remember. I don't remember the 90 days. I really don't. I was so sick. Um, it was at a time of my life. My business partner had decided to leave town for four or five months. Um, and he ran half the business, did half the work. He did actually more of the work. He he was the accountant. He he was the man of the business and he was leaving on a trip to sell crystals. He was gonna go with his mom and sell crystals all over the United States. So we had hired a girl to take his place. Uh, we actually delivered food for about 20 restaurants way before Uber or any of those things. We were, I think, actually like the second or third restaurant delivery company in the United States at that time. That's cool. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun business. We actually we did all the calls in my garage. We built an office in my garage and dispatched awesome. drivers. And I could work in my pajamas. It, it was a great job for me, especially being sick. Um but so I was, I had just gotten this, you get a pick line for IV antibiotics and it's a pick line that goes to your heart and you, you know, you have this open thing. And so I was really uptight about cleaning everything. So I had sanitized the office and 
Um, I asked the new employee, I said, will you move over to this other desk and work so I can clean this desk? And the other desk wasn't as comfortable. It wasn't as functional. And she got so mad at me. She quit. She quit her job. And then I was like, well, uh, I I can't work full time. Like, I can't work full time. What am I going to do? You know, this is bad. And we hired a new girl. This new girl seemed great. She worked more hours than me. She did everything. She'd make bank deposits. She did everything. Um, And I was just really sick. And probably about three weeks into getting the IV antibiotics, the way that you do it is you first shoot up baths like a thing of saline to clean out the pick line. And then you're then you attach the antibiotics and you're supposed to go really slow. It should take about a half an hour to get them all in. A little bit at a time, wait. A little bit at a time, wait. And a few weeks in, because I was just so sick and spacey, I had really quickly put in the saline. And then I attached the antibiotics and I did the same thing. I just shot the whole vial into my arm and didn't do it slowly. And then I became allergic to them. It was like it hit me so fast. I had I had hives all over my body. I just felt horrible. And I called the doctor and he said, it's really the only antibiotic we can do. I don't know of another antibiotic. So your option is to stop or we'll give you a really heavy um, allergy pill to just deal with the allergic reaction. So then that allergy pill made me more tired. It was a very strong bit like, you know, prescription strength Benadryl type thing. So that just made me a zombie. Um, But I made it through. It was actually, it ended up being about 100 days because my insurance, the IV company forgot that I was supposed to be done and they just kept issuing them. (laughs) And then one day they were like, oh, you're over your prescription. We're just going to keep this quiet. Um, So it was about 100 days. And after that 100 days and I stopped taking the IV antibiotics, I felt great. Yeah, Like I truly felt great. And I believed, even though the doctor told me I had MS and I'd always have MS, in my mind, you kill the Lyme disease, my MS was going to be gone. And I believed that. And my symptoms were gone and I felt good. And I just, I thought it was over. Um, My boyfriend asked me to marry him. We got married within a few months. I was feeling better. So we decided that we would have a baby. I got pregnant right away. I got kind of scared after I got pregnant because I said, what if the Lyme disease isn't completely gone? Because you can pass Lyme disease to an infant or to while you're pregnant or while breastfeeding. So I actually met um, my neurologist in Connecticut, introduced me to three other Lyme doctors who worked with children. Um, And we just had phone calls on the phone. And they said, you have to treat with antibiotics while you're pregnant. You do not want to pass this to a baby. Um, When she's born, you should breastfeed because you want to give her... You want to give her all of that so that she's the healthiest she can be, but we, we want to treat you with antibiotics while you're breastfeeding because you can pass it through the breast milk. Um, and um, so we had her. I was pregnant. I was happy. My whole pregnancy, healthy the whole pregnancy, no neurological symptoms. I felt great. Uh, we tested her at birth. They actually took a chunk of her, um, they took the cord blood and they took a chunk of the placenta and tested it for Lyme disease. And it was with a specialty lab in California called Igenix. And Igenix is who I recommend anybody who thinks they may have Lyme disease um, to use one of their lab tests. They are the best at finding Lyme disease. And she was completely negative for Lyme disease. She is now 15 and has never shown any symptoms of Lyme disease. She does have um, a leaky gut from all of those antibiotics. That's what I was going to ask was like the residual. Yep. And we just did, um, I just did take her to a functional medicine doctor and we did some food sensitivity tests 
and we did the wheat zoomer test to see if she actually did have a gluten problem. And she does have a gluten problem. The wheat zoomer test is a really neat test from Vibrant America. It even showed that if she was to eat gluten, that it would affect her neuroimmune system. Interesting. Um, That's very cool. Which for me, gluten 100% causes neurological symptoms. So it, it was a nice validating to see that um, that does happen with gluten. But the amount of food sensitivities that she had, she has a severe leaky gut. And she's eating a good diet. We eat good. I don't yeah. know that she'll ever have the perfect gut. That's hard. It's hard. I mean, and then think about it too. Like I, I think about, man, just just the average child in general, just like the amount of antibiotics you're hit as a young person. I like think about during pregnancy as well, like having to take, and it's, it's all about balancing the the good and the bad, you know what I mean? So it's like, would you rather have passed on, you know, Lyme or had yep. this? And so- you got to take and the funny it, thing is she's never had antibiotics herself. That's very cool. She, she has been lucky. a very healthy kid and has never had antibiotics herself. Never had Tylenol. Wow. She's well, never great. even had a dose of Tylenol when she broke her, she broke her arm on a horse this summer and we had to go to the hospital and um, they said, well, what medications are she, is she allergic to? And I said, I have no idea. She's never had any. A medication, a shot. She's never had anything from Western medicine. And they're like, no, she's had Tylenol. And I was like, no, she's never had a thing. And so they were kind of nervous. They're like, it is scary giving her the serious sedation um, with that. But she handled it fine, luckily. And she didn't take anything for her broken arm after that fact. So that was pretty awesome. That's awesome. I, I do something I forgot to say. So after those IV antibiotics, before I did get pregnant, I did have a um, brain MRI for my MS. And as the MRI before that, I had 13 lesions on my brain and my spine. I had an MRI after the IV antibiotics and I had zero. Wow. My brain and my spine were completely clear. And my neurologist said, well, it's just a coincidence. Sometimes that happens with MS. I'm pretty sure he's probably never seen that in, in his entire, I'm pretty sure he's probably never seen that ever. That's, yeah. that's miraculous. I, I do sort of want to know some of the nuances that you probably know better than me of, of the relationship between Lyme and MS. And I know, because I know generally speaking, there are links to viruses and MS. Um, I think I spoke about, I think it was Epstein-Barr with Dr. Ken Charlin a couple of times. And he, he talked about he reactivated Epstein-Barr as being potential issues, but what is some more of that connection between Lyme and, and MS specifically? Um, just because it's very, it's very interesting. And I'm sure it's like one of those things where it's like, not know for sure, but it's like, it's, it's a fascinating anecdote. Not know for sure would be the thing. And in Dr. Wall's book, which I love, um, she very does talk about the functional medicine approach to MS. And she says there are a handful of infections um, that can cause MS, Epstein-Barr being one. Um, there's a chlamydia pneumonia, mm. and it is a chlamydia that you get in your lungs, and that can become chronic, um, and Lyme disease and other things. So a functional medicine doctor can look at that happening. Mainstream medicine, I don't think there's anything. If you've been trying to reap the benefits of nose-to-tail nutrition while eating a wild game, it can be extremely hard to source and find, and sometimes it just doesn't taste that good. 
Luckily, I found a kick-ass company, Nose to Tail Provisions, who offer incredibly delicious, extremely nutritious, regeneratively raised wild game straight to your door. As someone that has personally battled autoimmune disease, like the founders of Nose to Tail Provisions, I understand the importance of what you put into your body and the quality behind it. That's why I am honored to have them as a sponsor of Decentralized Radio, and man, their elk snacks are delicious. All of their products are raised, grass-fed, 100% microplastic-free, and delivered a nutritious punch. And right now I'm proud to offer 10% off anything you order from them using our code DRADIO10. D-R-A-D-I-O-10. No, and actually uh, it's really good you mentioned uh, IGEDX as as testing facility because even they look at like further co-infections than the Western blot or whatever that you would normally get. And it's one of those things where it's like, if you're unsure and you want to rule it out, you really want to rule it out all the way and not just take the one... Well, whatever the Western blot, I think it's called, is verbatim. Well, and you don't even get the Western blot always in, if you're going to a mainstream doctor, they do an ELISA test. There are mm. some people that say the ELISA test can miss 60% of Lyme disease. It's insane. <laughs> if you're positive on the ELISA test, then they do a Western blot. Uh, okay. Some people say the Western blot, the, the typical Western blot can miss 40% of Lyme disease. That's so wild. there is, it's hard to describe why the CDC just, why can't you have a good test for it? I don't understand how they can't do it. And IGENIX looks at, I, I don't even understand, IGENIX looks at more bands. So there's different yes. bands and you have to have so many bands to be CDC positive and there's IgG and IgM and yeah. Um, it's definitely above my pay grade to completely understand it, but it is very sad because the main test in the United States does not work for lines and it what, is the CDC standard. What do you think are some of the like made like some of the major misconceptions around around Lyme in general? Obviously, we've sort of covered things like the idea that chronic Lyme is a real thing. And now it seems like CDC may be half admitting that that is a potential possibility. But like, like you were a very interesting case too with, with the like deer fly versus the tick. Um, and so that's obviously, like you said, you found some literature from long, long ago, but still it's like up in there. And, I, and the thing is when I, I totally believe that these things are possible just based on how nature runs itself. And so it's just fascinating, but I'd love to hear some of like things that you've run into along the way as well. And, and also working with people individually. Well, it's just... I don't think we know enough about Lyme disease and we don't know, not all doctors know that ticks carry a handful of other diseases. A lot of times you're not going to just get Lyme disease. Um, so when I was tested, some popular ones are Bartonella and Babesha. I did not have Bartonella or Babesha, at least on the test. Could the tests have been wrong? Who knows? Um, I did have microplasma. Mm. I did have chlamydia pneumonia, which is another thing that can lead to MS. Um, I did have a couple different of the herpes viruses in my blood. And I believe that was it for my co-infections. So there's just, it's so complicated. And even the best line, so then there are doctors that call themselves line literate doctors who really get into trying to help people like me. Um, but there's not, they can't help everybody. There's not just one antibiotic that gets people better. It just becomes this entire, you need your nutrition to be perfect. You need to detox your body. You need to be 100%. sleeping. You need to deal with your stress. You need to eat well. 
And I don't understand. I think I've always had a gluten issue, um, but not everybody has. Like, how does a lot of people who go gluten-free with Lyme disease will start to get better? How does that work? I don't. Yeah. I don't know that. <laughs> it's very, it's very, it's very peculiar. And on the on the gluten thing as well. I mean, we recently spoke to Stephanie Seneff about glyphosate and huge issues with glyphosate increasing people with gluten issues. And so I feel like these issues run into a lot of gray areas. And like you said, that's why I I, I try to tell everybody that I meet that'll ask me questions about a various symptom they're experiencing is that you know, there's, it's not so black and white. In fact, the more you look, the less black and white things are. And the more of this rainbow you see of everything. And it can be really frustrating. Um, and I feel like once you get through it, it's just fascinating. But, um, but it is one of those things where it's like, it's not, we've been sort of pampered. And I, I think Western medicine, unless you have something like you've dealt with, <laughs> you've been pampered with the idea that, oh, you get this thing, you take this med, it goes away. Oh, you get this thing, you take this antibiotic, it goes away. When you get into chronic health conditions, which are actually make up for the majority of what people spend money on here in the United States, it isn't as simple and they and they can't crack it with conventional means. And so it, you have to look beyond the scope of what you consider normal in order to get there. And I think that's where trying to sell somebody on the idea of lifestyle can be a little bit difficult, but sometimes you have to have your feet put to the fire to even want to look at it. You know what I mean? And so I'd love to see where, where was this marriage between you um, on your journey to, to like embracing some of Wall's principles and finding those things and really making them a part of your life. When did that become apparent to being critical to achieving where you've gotten to now? So that was about 10 years ago. Um, I, well, I was just sick. And I had done at that time, it had been about eight years of antibiotic it, on and off. And I was still sick as sick could be. And it was actually a friend of mine had all of a sudden developed um, just a lot of pain and brain fog and different problems. And to me, it looked like Lyme disease. No doctor could figure it out. She was actually tested for Lyme disease and it was negative from um, the traditional test. So she didn't have Lyme disease, they said. And her husband just got sick of watching her be sick and was like, we got to find something. And he just started asking everybody he knew, what, who could we see? What could we do? And they actually found this woman who was an iridologist. And I don't know if you've ever heard about iridology. Um, it, it, it's interesting. I thought it was, I thought it was weird. So they say they study the iris of your eye and they say every, cause you know, you have different lines, there's. There's a lot of things in the eye. Every different part of the eye represents a different part of the body. And you can have different colors in your eyes that aren't necessarily your true eye color. You can have little lesions in your eye. And they say they can tell your past, present, and future health issues by investigating your eye. I will say there are some iridologists I have heard of that people have seen that I would not recommend. I, I would not recommend. Um, the woman that we met, was a health genius. This lady was just incredible. Um, iridology does normally like the vegan diet. They are very into the vegan diet for health. Um, so my friend met with her and what she, so she, they take a picture of your eyes and then they, you know, they look at it in a big, big picture and go through it. And she came back up to my friend and said, well, you have um, parasites and bacteria and your digestion is a mess. And I believe the bacteria is probably Lyme disease like that. 
best thing. So, you know, we'll work with that. And it was just amazing. And she knew something and she said, you have some emotional issues. There is um, something going on and her, she had lost her mother. And that was, a you know, a, a very big grief was a problem. And so I went in and had my eyes done. And she said, well, gosh, I see the bacteria and parasites. But she's like, it's really your digestion. Your digestion is such a mess. We're going to fix your digestion and you're going to be fine. And I was like, huh, you have to be like, oh, that's kind of crazy. And I told my husband, I said, I just don't know about this lady. And he's like, what do we have to lose? She wants you to stop eating meat, eat a bunch of vegetables, drink distilled water, do a parasite cleanse. Like, what is it? Nothing that she wants you to do is going to hurt you. Let's just do this. Um, so we jumped in, we did, we did the vegan diet. Uh, we drank distilled water because she wanted you to drink the, the cleanest water that you could find. We did, um, so we actually did a 10 day master cleanse. And this was a couple months into working with her being on the vegan diet a few months, maybe. And so I want you to do the master cleanse. So 10 days, you drink nothing but water, lemon, maple syrup, and cayenne pepper, no food whatsoever. That's all you have. The cayenne pepper, keeps your blood vessels good. The maple syrup has some nutrients to keep you alive. And so does the lemon juice. Um, and then every day on top of that, you're going to come in and I'm going to do colonics on you and I'm going to flush 40 gallons of antiparasitic herbs up your butt. And uh-huh. that's going to be fun. <laughs> so I was like, wow, that, that sounds horrible, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And um, that 10 days was miserable. That was... Not a bad. crazy, crazy amount of time. And I didn't actually see, have a lot of parasites that would come out that you could see. Parasites were not, um, my friend I was talking to about before that, she did this right before me. And she would have a colander full of parasites oh, wow. every day. That lady, she had a lot of parasites. I did not have a lot of parasites. But that, that was just such a huge reset for me, that 10-day experience. It was a good detox. We did get rid of, I think, some, you know, bacterias and parasites and things. And it was a great reset. I had been a vegan in my past um, when I was younger. And I got really depressed as a vegan. And I had probably been on the vegan diet for probably six months. And I just was kind of feeling that just like I was feeling better than I was. I was losing a little bit of weight. But I just was a little bit depressed. And one day I was on Facebook with my mom. I was on vacation. And we were scrolling through Facebook and this TED Talk pops up. Doctor gets out a wheel wheelchair with MS. Mm. And I press play. It was Dr. Wall's TED Talk. And gosh, eat meat and veg- nine cups of vegetables a day. And I was like, meat? I can meat? do that. I can, I can do that. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the very next day, um, I was flying home and I stopped at an airport restaurant and I got steak and Brussels sprouts. And I was very happy to eat steak. It was like again. freedom. It was like freedom. Right. And I started, uh, Dr. Wall's book wasn't even out at the time. So I got a book called Practical Paleo by Diane Sanfilippo. And the book came in the mail probably a week later. And we were actually headed on an airplane to see other people in my family that day. And so I grabbed the book and I put it in my backpack for the airplane. And I started reading it. And the first part of her book is all about why you might not want to eat gluten and dairy and what it can do. And like, I was, I was sold. I was like, this just sounds so right to me. I am never eating gluten again. And that was 10 years ago. And I have not eaten gluten purposely since that day. I've had some accidental exposure. Um, and I was just all in. I was all into the Walsh Protocol. And That's awesome. 
right? And within a year, I had lost 100 pounds. Wow. Uh, my eyesight was completely back to normal. I had zero neurological symptoms. I was on top of the world. I really, I was on top of the world. And I did have, actually though, after the 100 days of my antibiotics, I have never tested positive for Lyme disease again. That's good. That's awesome. Um, we did continue because that is when then he tested me for like chlamydia pneumonia. So then there was a three-year antibiotic plan that we did for chlamydia pneumonia. It was written by a doctor in Vanderbilt University for his wife with MS. And he got his wife better with that antibiotic protocol. But again, so that was, you know, 10 years of antibiotics, I still had MS symptoms. For me, then it was completely gluten. And if I get gluten um, about two years into following the Wells Protocol, I was going to the Nutritional Therapy Association, their yearly conference, and Dr. Walls was going to be there. It was the first time I met Dr. Walls. And I stopped at this restaurant in Portland, Oregon, that was like 95% gluten-free. It was a paleo-like, paleo restaurant, all organic grass-fed beef. They had sweet potato fries and an air fryer, but they did have an organic sourdough bun. Yeah. Um, when I was eating my sweet potato fries, I had eaten there before, all of a sudden, they got something super crunchy. It was not a sweet potato fry. It was just really crunchy. I didn't think anything of it. 20 minutes later, I get up to leave the restaurant, and my balance is gone. Mm. And my eyesight starts to go. And all of a sudden, I have flashing lights in my eyesight. And I was like, what the heck just happened? Like, I had no idea what happened. It was the first time I had any symptoms in two years. And I get in my car and I have to drive to Vancouver, Washington. And there's this double decker bridge that you have to go over. And I don't like bridges, but I've never had a panic attack. And it's rush hour traffic. It's in the winter. It's raining. It's dark. And I'm just stuck on this double-decker bridge. And I had the worst panic attack of my life. I, I almost couldn't even drive, like, get to my hotel. And I, I finally, I made it to the hotel. And then, you know, I kind of did okay for that weekend. I didn't have, like, my eyesight was off a little bit. My balance was off a little bit. Um, but I was okay. I met Dr. Walls. That was amazing. The next day I'm sitting with somebody and I'm eating. Um, I brought all my own food with me. I had I was eating leftover chicken and I got the worst headache when I was done with this chicken. And I was like, what could that be? And the lady said that the histamine response. Mm. And they said, I've never had an issue with histamines before. And she's like, well, you got glutened yesterday. So now you have a leaky gut. The gluten caused a leaky gut. And yep. now histamines bother you. Yep. And I was like, how? Like, that's just so crazy to me. And I got home after that weekend and I ended up losing feeling from the bottom half of my body, from my belly button down. I could not feel my legs at all for nine months. Wow. From the one exposure? Like one tiny, tiny, tiny. That's wild. Yeah, that stuff, that stuff's insane. It's wild too how fast you can have a reaction um, right after. It's, it's, it's insanity. Um, but on, on that, I would like to say, so that was, you know, eight years ago, and I've yeah. been working on healing my gut this whole time. I no longer had a histamine issue. And probably about four months ago, I was eating at a Greek restaurant here in um, Missouri, and they have a gluten-free pita. So I will get the gluten-free pita, and I was eating my gluten-free pita, and it was better than the last time. <laughs> and I had tried to grab the waitress at one time, but she was in a bad mood, and so I just ate the whole thing. And at the very end, I said, you know what? That pita seemed different. And she went, I did not bring you the gluten-free pita. That was that was our pita. And I was like, I ate four slices of that with my hummus. Wow. And she's like, I'm sorry, do you react badly? And I was like, 
oh yeah, like nine months of losing feeling in my legs. And she was like, oh no, I only got a headache. That's good. That's impressive healing right there. That's wild. And the headache was gone in a couple hours. So I will never purposely eat gluten. I'm never going to go and eat gluten, but it is nice to know that my body does not react that badly. That's right. And that's a testament too. And I think that's also a testament to really committing an amount of time to a practice because I think people want sort of an instant gratificatory effect and things like gut health aren't always like that. Like I've definitely spoken to people that did one thing in a week, like some crazy stuff happened or three weeks. But I mean, I, I mean, even my own stuff, like when I was, I worked with you and Terry in 2020, I think, um, or, or shortly after that for six months. And I definitely felt better in six months, but it took me probably another six months to feel what I would say is like really getting back to like, like full hundred Ryan, like, but I, but I just kept like with, with the principles that you guys had taught me. And it was, it was really, um, it was really insane. I, it's part of one of those things where it's like you, it is creating a new lifestyle for yourself. You know what I mean? And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. And that's where I think the mindset shift is important because it's like you deserve to feel well. Um, and you shouldn't look at being like, like to me, it, I'd love to sort of dive into that briefly. It's just like, I think it's easier for someone that feels really badly to once they feel some vitality back, be more gung-ho. But there are those that have that fear of missing out on the other things. How do you, how have you personally dealt with with those things, with, with food and, and, and maybe various other activities that could create a more negative space. Artificial blue light from technology is destroying our health. It disrupts melatonin production, sleep quality, and our circadian rhythms, which has been linked to pretty much all chronic disease. It also rewires our dopamine reward system, which makes it addictive by design. That is why I'm so thankful to have found the Daylight Computer, the first company in the world making a computer that has a blue light free screen. They use paper reflective screen technology, so it's blue light free, flicker free, eye strain free, and is easily used outdoors so you can use technology while getting the benefits of full spectrum sunlight. For more information, you can listen to our recent podcast with the founder of Daylight Computer, Anjan, on his incredibly inspiring story on why he wants to bring technology to the masses that is not detrimental to our health. You can go to buy.daylightcomputer.com slash dradio to pre-order the Daylight tablet today and begin using your technology in a fashion that's way more in line with our biology and nature. You know, at that time, I had, luckily I had a husband that was 100% supportive. Yeah, that's awesome. Had, that's great. She had always wanted to eat better. He had always wanted to kind of do this stuff. And now we had this woman who, you know, she wasn't a doctor, but she was, to us, she was like our, you know, doctor who was encouraging it. And so he was 100% on board. And he, at the time I worked and he stayed at home with our daughter. So he did all of the cooking and he went, he read Practical Paleo and he was like, okay, this is how we all eat. If this is how you're going to eat, then the entire house eats like this. We threw out all the flour. We threw out all the foods that we did not eat. And all of our meals were the Wells Protocol. That's awesome. Um, No, that's that's definitely the best scenario. Mm -hmm. I don't. To be honest with you, if I wouldn't have had his support, I don't know if I would be here today in this capacity. I don't like, and but there are people who do it without their husband's support. There are 
And it breaks my heart health coaching people like that. You know, I've health coached people where they're like, my husband will bring home the donuts on Saturday and be like, are you sure you don't want one? Are you sure you don't want one? And I just can't imagine trying to do that with that negativity in my life for a family who doesn't support it. Why will I, when I was, because I was living at home at the time, um, and my my family was very supportive. And I got, actually, everyone in my family got read the whole Walls Protocol book after I had read it. Um, because I, there was a point in my journey where I thought I might have MS just from the neurological symptoms, but I didn't. But it was still a great book because the whole premise is around mitochondrial function. And I think that really opens the door to understanding all autoimmune disease on a very more fundamental level. Because it, it, it sort of takes the name out of it, too, in some sense. Because uh, a lot of people like will be like, well, I have RA, so this can't work for me or whatever. But when you look at it as a mitochondrial principle, these things, things do overlap when we're talking about gut health and stuff. So it's, it's amazing that, that she, I'm so happy she wrote about this stuff. She was definitely one of the earliest to take it to that level. Um, and, and, and you're like uh, living proof of like that type of work. Um, but like, even in my house, like, man, my dad would bring home the Ben and Jerry's on Saturday after a shopping haul and be like, you sure you don't want some of this? And it was extra hard for me because I had an eating disorder background and an eating disorder recovery. It's a no, no to say no to treats because it's a treat. And so it was a whole other line that I had to balance. Um, and that's where I've definitely had people that I've spoken to where their husband was not on board. Like you have, have worked with people. And it is hard, but they, you have to dig into how much you want it. You know what I mean? Like if you really want it, you will make it. It's like going to the gym. If you want to be fit, you will make time for the gym. It'll happen. Um, or, or whatever. Like you'll go for a walk. You'll, you'll do five minutes of something. Um, and so it's really taking that personal initiative. Um, and that's really what this podcast is about, is empowering yourself to be your own advocate, to do your own, do the work. Because like you said, you, you, you met these amazing people, but you were the one that, I mean, you did the cleanse. Like you showed up every day. I'm sure there are people that were told to do that cleanse as well that probably didn't show up after day two or three, you know, but you stuck mm-hmm. it out because you had faith in it. And sometimes you got to step into an uncomfy zone where you don't know the end result and just say, you know what, like you said, what do you have to lose? You might as well try it. And that's kind of where I was at. Uh, three years ago when I met you guys. I was like, hey, why not? It's not going right. to hurt me to eat real food. <laughs> like, it was such a crazy concept. But, but I think number hard. one is you find your why. Yep. Why do you like, why do you want this? And you have to really want it. And then you start finding your house. How am I going to get here? And how am I going to do it? And I would like to point out recovery, the 10 years. Recovery is an up and down. Very much. Thing. And so, you know, I thought I was at the peak of health. I just didn't think anything like I was rocking the world. I felt great. And all of a sudden, we, we moved from the high desert. We lived in the desert in Oregon. And we decided that we wanted to raise our own, we wanted to raise our own meat and have a farm and like do this thing. So we sold our house. We moved to the coastal part of Oregon where it rains constantly, it's wet, it's green, it's beautiful. And we got 10 acres of land, we got a sheep herd. And all of a sudden, I started gaining weight and gaining weight and gaining weight. And at this point in my life, I had started, um, I would have a gluten-free treat on occasion. I would have gluten-free bread 
every once in a while, I would have a gluten-free pancake. I wasn't eating 100% meat and vegetables and I was gaining weight. And then I was like, what is wrong with me? And then I would go hardcore. I'm going to fast for five days. I'm going to do like, and I wouldn't lose a pound. I wouldn't necessarily gain weight, but I wouldn't lose a pound. So then I'd have a gluten-free cookie again. And I just started hate, like, it was really hard on me. And one day I was reading Dr. Wall's revised book was coming out and I was reading it and something clicked, um, thyroid. I should have my thyroid tested because this just isn't like me. Like, this is weird. I eat really, really well. Why am I gaining this weight? And my thyroid was a mess. I have Hashimoto's and it, it was my, my autoimmune numbers for Hashimoto's are off the chart. Um, and I realized that we had moved to a really moldy place. There was mold in my office. Um, when we bought our 10 acres, we didn't have a house. We were living in an RV until we were going to build the house. And RVs are very hard. They don't, they're very plasticky and mold like they don't bit well. And it was constantly raining. It was constantly damp. And yeah, you were always washing mold off the windowsills. And there was just mold in the clay. You had to be really careful, and there was mold everywhere. And mold is mold is a hard one. Mold is very hard one. Mm-hmm. And so we have since moved. We moved to Missouri. Well, Missouri is really wet and really humid and really moldy. Um, every old building in my town is very old. Every old building you go into has mold. We did not. We did not think there was mold in our house that we bought. We a little bit in the bathroom and we didn't know that and we were going to rip out the bathroom floor and redo it. There had been a moisture problem, but we did not think there was mold anywhere else in the house. You couldn't smell, did not smell like mold. It was a very clean house. It was a hundred year old home. Mm. It was built in the 1920s. Um, it is in a floodplain mm. and it, um, the woman we bought it from said it had never flooded. Well, we had a house fire last March, a very small house fire um, but there was enough smoke damage. Um, our entire bathtub became a puddle of plastic. And so imagine oh, wow. like all of yeah. that, um, all of that black smoke. It just, you know, we had to rip out all carpet and all drywall. And as we were doing that, we took all the drywall out. You could see each um, each time it had flooded. And there were multiple flood lines. And there was mold behind that drywall. There was a lot of areas of the house that had mold. To the point of my husband said, we're not fixing this house. We're moving. <laughs> yeah, we could, we just, have, yeah, there's just no, you know, there's, why would we spend so much money to rebuild this house um, when it's broken? Um, and so we, we kept, we still actually have that house. We've cleaned it out. We've done the best we can. We do store stuff in that house while we're building a brand new house up on a hill where it will not flood. There's no, um, it will be much better, but there's. And we live in an RV while we're building that house. And um, the RV we bought was older and there's mold in the RV. There's actually like an entire part of it that kind of had oh, rotted wow. out that nobody showed us when we bought it. Um, well, one one quick anecdote about mold diet. So I have a friend that uh, lives in sort of a more janky part of town, like older part of town. Uh, his day, he moved back in with his dad. Um, at his house, and I went over to visit him and help him move in one time. And his dad has terminal cancer, um, and so he came home to move home to take care of him. And I was at his house. I was helping him unpack. Kind of an older building, nothing too crazy. But I went to his bathroom, and yes, black mold, just like all over the ceiling of the bathroom. 
into the wall. And in my head, I'm like, dude, I know. And, and, and the, the, the kid grew up there also. So he was moving back home to his home. But he had suffered from crazy mental health problems like his whole life. And, like, and I'm like, bro, it's right here. And so mold is one of those things where, man, it messes you up in many different ways. But it, it is one of those things that as I look for a home, I am acutely aware of looking in the right areas. Now, luckily, we live in a dry state. So it's not inherent unless you have a lot of flooding, which does happen. Um, but it's very pervasive. You, you never, be, never be too sure with mold. Well, it, as long as we, and we don't plan on leaving Missouri. There's reasons we live here and there's family Missouri. and, you know, we want to stay here. But the, I was checking the pollen count a couple months ago for a friend of mine was having some allergy problems. And I had never seen that before. The mold count was there too. There's just mold in the air where I live. Yeah. And I, so I'm, I grew up in, in uh, well, Wisconsin, but I lived in Southern or Midwestern Kansas for a while. It's a very similar climate to where you're at Ozark. And I've been down where you're at. It gets humid. And yeah, it makes me wonder about like, I had tons of seasonal allergies as a kid where I was constantly. It was like really bad, like so bad I couldn't sleep, like popping Benadryl, like all this crazy stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. How have you, how have you tried to combat the environment that you have? Like, have you done any detox strategies um, or well, like while we're in the RV, yourself? there's just nothing we can do. Like there's nothing we yeah. can do. I can't, I can't rent a house. It's well, and I don't think I could find a rental house here. Yeah, no joke, yeah. So, you know, and my thyroid doesn't make me feel bad. I do not feel bad. Um, I, I will take care of it. The new house, we are being very careful how we build it. My husband is building the house completely by himself. Um, that oh, is a yeah. lot of work. And we we very much are trying to build a house that will not have mold so I can have a clean environment. And we will put an infrared sauna in the new house. We've already um, we've already planned that. He, he wired one bedroom with a little bit better wiring for that, which you don't actually need. He just wanted to... We don't ever want to have another electrical because... It was a um, electric cell fire. fire that, and once you've been in a house fire, like like yeah, things. We almost changed. had one last winter. We got a crazy amount of snow last year here in Salt Lake, and we had a limb break the electric box and like get it, like rip it off the wall. And we did have sparks in like the electric box shoot out, and we got lucky that it didn't start a fire because it very easily could have. And that was that was a nice week of no electricity at all, <laughs> <laughs> but in the right. in January. Um, so when we live in the new house, we'll have, I think the infrared sauna will be huge. That was something when I started the walls protocol, when we were still in Bend, Oregon, we did an infrared sauna once a week. I think that was a big part of my recovery. Um, my husband actually had really bad heavy metal issues and he was allergic to all fruit, not allergic, but he couldn't eat fruit at all. And we just thought he couldn't eat fruit. And the iridologist said, no, that's heavy metal. Once we cleanse your body, you won't have that problem. And he doesn't. After a year of detox, he can eat fruit again. So she was right. Um, so we're both very much looking because kind of, actually his fruit sensitivities are kind of coming back again. Um, so we're very looking forward to the infrared sauna to do a lot of detox. And I am actually seeing an acupuncturist and asking the acupuncturist if possibly we can work on just making me more resilient to mold. Because I'm not going to get out of mold as long yeah. as I live here. And I just... I, it's a part of, you know, it's there. So how can we become more resilient is what I am going to work on. And I don't know if the acupuncturist can do that, but that 
acupuncture can do a lot of things. So the reason where I thought this might work is um, where we live, the new tick-borne disease is alpha-gal. Oh, yeah. Alpha-gal, where you become allergic to red meat, dairy, any like any mammal products. And that is the the numbers are increasing in Missouri in a scary um, amount. And we have t- there are ticks. When people say yeah. Missouri has ticks, they're not lying. Um, yeah, I actually, I probably wouldn't have moved here had I spent a month <laughs> and found how many ticks there are. There's no avoiding. You can't avoid them. You absolutely cannot. Um, but there is, some people are having success with acupuncture. They're actually putting needles right. in people's ears for weeks at a time. You keep the needles oh. in your ears. And some people are getting over their That's awesome. gal. So I went to an acupuncturist and said, if they can do that with meat, like, can't we do that with mold? Can't we somehow, you know, make yeah. me more resilient? So we're working on it. We'll see how it how yeah. goes. I mean, at the end of the day, resilience is the name of the game. It's about building resilient mitochondria, resilient body. That's that's kind of all you can do. And that's like the major focus of like like my existence now and the work that you do. As we kind of ran out of this podcast, like, is there is there anywhere uh, people can reach out to you? Uh, maybe, I don't know, talk to you. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't take clients on my own at the moment. Uh, Dr. Walls keeps me too busy. I am. I bet she um, does. I bet she does. Yeah. <laughs> I read Dr. Walls, all of her customer service. I run her certification program. So we certify other health coaches, nutritionists, doctors. Dentist, any any health professional. I'm coming for more. you. I'm coming for you guys after Good. my NTP. I'm coming for you guys next. That's the you. Goal. You're at the Nutritional Therapy Association. Yes, next awesome. year, February, February. Awesome. I'm ready. Good. Congratulations on that. I I really love that program. Um, they can. I do have a Facebook page. Uh, Real food inspired me, and I actually don't even post on that as much as I used to. But if you ever commented on something, I would see that if somebody wanted to. Um, chat with me about something and maybe one day I will go out and take clients on my own again, but I very much enjoy my work with Dr. Walls and we are doing, yeah, we do different programs where I work as her health coach. So that's awesome. Well, I appreciate you, Beth, and I appreciate you coming on. It was a fun discussion. (laughs) Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you.